You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So, today we are talking about a horror movie. We're back. And uh, this one was released on HBO Max. I actually think I recommended this in this uh, in the check it out section. But this one is called Malignant. So you may or Did may you not recommend it before you checked it out. I think so. Mm, I think that's against the rules. I'm not sure we established any rules, but either way, I was just saying it is coming and it's a free opportunity to see a movie from an established director. So Malignant comes from James Wan, who is from the uh, the movie Saw's fame. Uh, Aqu- I haven't seen it. Aquaman. Fast Unfortunately, and, I saw it. Fast and Furious 6 or Didn't 7, I believe. Uh, Lights Out. Didn't see it. Dead Silence. Nope. And probably one or two other films. Anyway, he's kind of a man of many trades. And uh, so I went into this movie expecting something that a longtime horror director would sort of put out. And let me just say, from the trailer to the time that the credits rolled, this movie... Uh. Hold on. All right. We, as usual, have did not watch it together mm-hmm. and have not discussed it. And we've been exce- exceptionally intentional about not sharing personal opinions of this film. Right. So with that said, sorry to interrupt. With that said, uh, this movie has a, I believe, 75, 76% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 53% audience score. I would probably say that I agree more with the audience on this one. But make no mistake, this is a unique film. This is an insane movie. I mean, I had no idea what was going to happen. And I think my perception of it really changed about halfway through the film, as probably many viewers did. But um, I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. We're going to do spoilers uh, from Lots the outset on this. We can't even talk about this. So if you're interested in Malignant, I would if you, I would give it a watch just to see what you think. Um, but I want to know what you thought about it in just a couple words. What do you think I thought about it? I think you hated it. Well, since you asked for a couple words. Yes. My few words are... I did not hate this movie. Interesting. Okay. So this is definitely a really polarizing film. Um, I'll, I'll say that I did not like this movie at all for the first half of it. I thought that it was just a very conventional, really the dumb... The whole first sequence mm-hmm. s- smacked of everything I hate in horror films. Oh, absolutely. Dark. Tur- I kept saying, turn on the light. Where I was just like, where's the subtlety in this too? Are there you talking n- about the lab scene? Oh no, long before we got to oh the no after the, very the lab first. scene when we got oh, okay. to the house. Oh, okay, yeah. And, and turn on the light. Just uh, turn the lights on. Well, let me preface. And why is it storming? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let me preface this with you know there is I suppose she was a nurse. She was wearing scrubs. Who has this exorbitantly large house? Um, despite her salary, probably not. Uh, you know, 
making something enough for such a massive McMansion of sorts. It's yeah, very well, she old. had a deadbeat husband, too. So Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, I would say Malignant is probably the most unique horror film I've watched in a long time. Uh, simply because there is a big twist about 70% into the movie, mm. but we're going to discuss that afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I would give it a um, about a 6 overall, okay. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it was about a 2 until that twist mm-hmm. came. Mm-hmm. So I want to know what you were thinking in the beginning up until something changed for you. And obviously we all know what the crazy surprise was. So for the first two-thirds of the film or three-fourths of the film. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Now, I knew that there was a twist coming. Mm-hmm. I had heard James Wan in an interview say, I feel like audiences are looking for something different. And so the whole time I kept thinking, so where's the thing that's different? Because this is so full of every cliche in every horror film oh, yeah. that I've ever seen. And it was it was really full of the ones that were just really frustrating to me. I also thought the acting was not great in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. particularly the sister. She was weak. Yeah, I I can agree with that, but let me make a counterpoint. Right. So I was watching a Chris Stuckman review, and he was saying he didn't really know where the tone was for the film mm-hmm. originally. And my friends and I were discussing that uh, once we finished it, saying... Oh my goodness, like the tone was all over the place. Was it supposed to be unintentionally silly sometimes? Was it supposed to be serious? Like it was this kind of movie, then it became supernatural, and then it became like, you know, the first real like horror element was only really in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it wasn't necessarily a horror movie. It had psychological, supernatural, very violent, cartoonish elements to it after that that resembled, you know, a horror thriller, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily a ghost or entity following you around necessarily Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think that's what i liked about it so for our viewers who aren't familiar with uh what the movie's plot is essentially the trailer was saying um that it it, this trailer was bog standard you know it was just somebody is saying you know there's something there's something out there and then you know the music builds up in the trailer and they get thrown across the room or something and i think they were um, likening it to like an imaginary friend that she had or something mm-hmm. in childhood. So, and I actually read after that that James Wan intentionally tried to have the movie marketed so that people would not know what they were going into. Well, that's good marketing. I would opinion. say so. I would. And say so. I certainly didn't know what I was getting into. I, I honestly, I think I sent you a, uh, an email with a, the link to the trailer a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And I asked you if you had seen that, and you, of course, had. I didn't think the trailer was anything exciting, but I was interested in it because of James Wan as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's his brand is quality horror. Mm-hmm. I have not seen the Saw films and would not see the Saw films. I don't do, I don't do gruesome. Yeah, but you've seen The Conjuring and you've seen Insidious. I have slept through The Conjuring and I think I've slept through Insidious. Yes, mm-hmm. but anyway, I was intrigued because of the director and I felt like what he could do for this genre. And I would say the first two-thirds of the film were stock. Um, I didn't quite know what was going on. I was, I was frustrated as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew something was coming. Yeah. And so when it came, I don't know that I loved it. I thought it was awfully hard to buy. But I thought I went with it. I think I went, I know I went with it 
because it then was the missing piece of the puzzle that helped me understand what was going on. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I was on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because most movies, you know how you're going to feel about them at a certain point mm-hmm. once you're watching them. I'd say Malignant is one of those movies that intentionally tries to not be that good for the first half of it. And then when you find out the twist, it really makes you rethink everything Mm -hmm. and see it from a different perspective. And that's what I'm kind of surprised by. Because, uh, like I said, I was watching a Chris Duckman review on it, and he said the film was actually just supposed to be camp. Like, you know, it was supposed to be campy, sort of cheesy, not to be taken too seriously, but like... You know, uh, have you? Did you watch Drag Me to Hell? That's uh, I did see that. That is an example. I of thought a campy this was better. Movie. Yeah, exactly. That's an example of like a super campy, Evil Dead type movie, and I understood it at that point. But the tone was all over the place. Mm-hmm. The only real like ghost haunted house scene was the one where her uh, abusive husband died. Mm-hmm. You know, after that, it was sort of a lot of stuff kind of happens in the daylight, or a lot of stuff kind of happens like. I don't know, but uh, do you want to talk about the twist a little bit? Like, yeah, what the why, don't, why don't you do that? Because okay. I will say this: I thought that uh, conceptually it was somewhat fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that the early scene in the house that you've described, mm-hmm. where her partner slash husband um, is violent, mm-hmm. and she goes up against the wall. And wakes up the creature. That was I thought that was well done. That's what I'm saying. You piece yeah. you piece it you together. You piece it together. So tell our listeners. Alright. So the movie is called Malignant, and early on in the first scene, the last At line, some kind of mental hospital or some kind yes, of experimental lab of some sort. Which is classically shot with all of the thunder and the lightning and the rain, mm-hmm. and it looks like the hotel from um, the Overlook Hotel. The Overlook Hotel, yes. Yeah. So Go they, back and listen to that episode on The Shining. <laughs> a far superior film. So they say, we need to cut out the cancer. And you see this sort of like crazy, creepy being. And like, you know, doctors are being injured. People are being thrown around. You're like, what is that? And you see this glimpse of this grotesque creature just kind of writhing. And you're like, what was that? And mm-hmm. then it changes over to present day. And, you know, there's this uh, woman... She gets home, and uh, you quickly find out that her husband is abusive. He was an alcoholic at some point. So he pushes her, and she smacks her head on the wall. And it's interesting because you notice that there's special detail paid to the blood that's going back Mm -hmm. from her head. Mm -hmm. It's on the wall. Mm -hmm. It's on her pillow. She's Mm -hmm. clutching it. Mm -hmm. It hangs around for a bit, and Mm -hmm. then it's gone. Mm -hmm. And there's this... Um, being that she sees and whenever it's about to kill she gets like basically the world turns upside down Mm -hmm. it's like she is right there watching it kill people Mm -hmm. and she doesn't know what to do she's frozen in time and we later find out that she had um, somebody she talked to called Gabriel uh, who she talked on the phone with as an adopted foster child. Which you think is just your traditional imaginary Somebody friend. in their head. And so I thought the movie was referring to Gabriel was a tumor on her brain that made her do those things, and then they had to cut out the cancer mm-hmm. and he was gone for some reason. Like Which it would come to back. To some extent, it is. 
Right. But the crazy twist is that she's seeing all these things, this entity, all these people dying. But you learn that when she was a child, she fused with her twin in the womb and it was stuck on the back of her like a parasite. So it was this malformed human, but they shared the same brain and eventually it became too parasitic. It was taking nutrients from her, so they had to cut it off as much as they could, cutting out the cancer. But Or the malignancy. That's what I'm saying. But they couldn't they couldn't cut it off all of it because then um what was her name in it? Would I, die. The main character mm-hmm. would die. So they took uh, the rest of that being and pushed it into the back of her skull and closed up the back of you her skull. You have to watch it. Seeing it is better than actually hearing it. And, and you know, it. describing it is as crazy as the <laughs> Like, the movie is actually this crazy. Um, and so, basically, that thing was hiding inside her head. And you learn that she has had three or four miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the, the thing behind her, which was Gabriel... Mm-hmm was feeding on her babies, mm-hmm. which caused her to miscarry mm-hmm. so it could grow stronger. And when her husband smacked her into the wall and hit the back of the it, head, it, it awoke woke up Gabriel just enough for it to take over her body at certain points mm-hmm. during high emotion. And it was taking out all of the people, all of the bad like you know influences in her life, the people who experimented on her, like you know the abusive people in her life, and she thought that was some entity, and she was frozen, not being able to see it, but it was really herself mm-hmm. the entire time. Mm-hmm. So that condition she had was malignant. It was like a malignant tumor, mm-hmm. and it was her brother Gabriel who was in the womb. It, if that sounds insane and incredibly convoluted. It's because it is. And then the second half of the movie turns completely action violence. But that jail scene, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, the jail scene was pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> I, okay, I got a couple things I got to talk about. Yeah, sure thing. First of all, as I said, I did not hate this film. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I watched it. It was better than I expected it to be, and it mm-hmm. certainly improved. Because it, there was a twist. It was very different than anything we had seen. Very original, it I would say. It was very original. It was also very gruesome. Because Gabriel was crazy. Gabriel likes and violence. It, Gabriel, there were some scenes that were pretty, I mean, you know, grotesque. I would say there was probably a body count of 25 at least yeah, in this there movie. Were, and it was just bloody and, and just... This isn't the off-the-screen, turn-away-at-the-last-second kind of no, violence. This right. is the stuff where somebody reaches through somebody's heart and, you know, crazy stabbing, all that. So it's not for the faint of heart. So my two questions are this, or my two observations are, what the heck is the deal with the lights? Why, why is it that the lights dim when Gabriel's about to appear. And you know, that's funny because I remember turning to my friends and being like, okay, so what are the rules with this uh, right. entity? Like, do the lights turn off or do they dim? Or like, can you keep them on? Like, what's going on in this whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's one. I got mm-hmm. two more. The second is, what was the deal where she was tied up in that in that room, which is the attic of her house, yeah. with the fan, but she was tied up but Gabriel was like doing stuff. If Gabriel's attached to her, and oh she's no, no, that wasn't Gabriel. the main, that wasn't the main character. That was her mother. That was the main character's mother. Uh, oh, because okay. she was giving tours, and 
in this underground city or something. It, trust me. It, as it, this all was these... a bit of a stretch. Now, the third thing, and mm-hmm. this for me was the most frustrating part of this film. Yes. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the sister drives to the abandoned hospital that we see in the very beginning and nothing, of the film. And nothing happens to her. And she gets in this hospital. It's condemned. It's condemned. It's sitting on, ominously on this clifftop. And she manages to get in. It's pitch dark. She finds exactly what she's looking for. Old VHS So tapes. that she has history of what happened with her sister. It's her adopted sister. Completely incriminating of the entire institution, by the way. You'd think when the institution was condemned, people would go and like sweep it. It was completely and utterly, in every way, illogical. But I and think that frustrated. I me. think that's where the camp comes from. It's supposed to be frustrating because the rest of it was so logical, right? Well, of course, you know. And I think it took a lot of conventions from cl- movies that we've seen over the years. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to watch a film like this, you have to escape. You have to abandon reality. Absolutely, right? and because so the whole thing is ridiculous. The figure hiding in the dark is just like James Wan's film, Lights Out. Mm-hmm. Looks. Almost identical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that top-level view when it was chasing mm-hmm. uh, the main character. The main character's name is Madison, okay. by the way. When it was chasing Madison, that was kind of a hereditary little dollhouse vibe. Yeah. I, I was seeing that sort of, like, part and parcel sort mm-hmm. of scattered around. So you can see it took a lot of influences, and it didn't really have a focus, per mm-hmm. se. But it was meaning to leave you confused. But I didn't really know that at first. I was like, I think the movie is trying to be this, and it's not working. Mm -hmm. However, it had a different plan in mind, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated. Because not many horror films are $40 million for a budget, right? Right. And can take such crazy risks like this. You know, of course, we've seen, um, what's that movie with Chris Hemsworth, The Cabin in the Woods? That's a wild horror film, right? I cannot even talk about that film. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. But I'm just saying, you don't see way too many risky horror films. There's usually a formula, right? Absolutely. I'd say this one wanted you to believe that it was formulaic, but then totally went off the walls. And I have to respect that. I have to respect that. I agree. And I would say to you, it was inventive, it was creative, but it wasn't super inventive or creative. I mean, it wasn't... Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen a film like this, but I wouldn't say to you that this was the most fresh, original, exciting concept of any horror film i've seen in forever it just wasn't that good it didn't reinvent the wheel no i would say it told a fun unique and entertaining story at the end of the at the end of the film Mm -hmm. you were just like i was not expecting that Mm -hmm. right and and a lot of times that's all you can ask for in horror films to be surprised to be shocked in some sort of way to get a reaction other than just rolling your eyes you know yeah no as i said i um i watched this film in two seatings Mm mm-hmm and um, it was long, you know, because I watched it in two seatings. I it didn't feel super long. Um, what can I say? I did not hate this film, and I'm surprised by that. I, I know you are. Um, what would you give it on a one to ten scale? Seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I previously said that I would give it a six, you did. and I'm going to hold to that. Okay. But I think this is going to be one of those movies that people need to have time to digest uh-huh. over the years and it's going to become possibly a cult classic interestingly enough it's the kind of film that i would watch again and you know me i'm not one who watches films especially horror films but i think knowing what i know now mm-hmm. 
I want to go back with a sharper eye mm-hmm. and and watch it. I thought the best scene was, in fact, when she took out her husband. I thought that was... I, oh, I was I mean, okay, rolling but, my eyes. But I was what just was, like, so was I. Right. Well, okay, so what was the deal? He hears noises. The refrigerator opens. Well, how, how did the refrigerator open? What? Where was she? That? Well, how come he didn't see her or Gabriel open the refrigerator door? How come... He didn't see... All of a sudden, she was on the couch, and then she's gone on the couch, but you can see the cushion going down. What's up with that? This being killed an entire police department and half the women in jail. So I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm not necessarily as concerned with the logic in it because all of this movie, you were just... I mean, for so many parts in this movie, I was just like... (laughs) Did that really just happen? Like, was that supposed to be unintentionally funny? But it was campy. It was supposed to be You mean like the fact that there was almost no light in the police precinct? I agree. But, you know, here's what I say. If something can be living in the back of your head, dormant, (laughs) and then control your body and make it look like you're running backwards and throw a chair across a room to uh, hit the police captain and a detective, then a refrigerator door can be opened. Okay incognito okay yeah i can buy all of it except for the sister driving to the abandoned hospital getting in and finding exactly what she needed after this place had been abandoned 15 years ago yeah i thought that's how implausible that scene was well it was just kind of useless to me because maybe it was supposed to be unintentionally funny but she just she's kind of drove up you thought maybe something would happen like she'd hear a noise nothing happened she just walked in Got what she needed, drove off. By the way, she parked right on the edge of the cliff. That's what I mean. In a movie that was completely implausible, perhaps one of the most normal sequences Mm -hmm. was the most implausible. I mean, the whole thing didn't make sense. I thought, try harder for me to believe that you had to work to get this. But then again, to your point, Mm -hmm. maybe that was supposed to be funny. You know, it... Once again, I was like, come on. If you are just trying to wrap your head around this still, I think we are too. Um, But the fact of the matter is, this is definitely a unique horror film and just a unique feature. I think it's worth seeing. I'm going to recommend it. And since, exactly, and since you uh, can watch it on HBO Max right now, Mm I would would say give it a go Mm -hmm. because you probably won't see a movie like this again for a long time. I don't think it's going to make its budget back necessarily. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, but James Wan is a good director. And despite me not praising this movie up and down, it certainly fascinates me. And it's been on my mind for the last few mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. And honestly, in a horror film, that is, that's pretty high marks, in my opinion. All right. So you've already, we've already done the scale of 1 to 10. Mm-hmm. The big question, Noah, is how many Zs does it get? How many Zs? On a 1 to 10 scale? No, 1 to 5. One to five. Um, let's see. So six, probably three, two and a half Zs, yeah. something like yeah, that. I'd say three. I'd say three out of five. It's it's worth seeing. It's I don't think it's worth spending money to go to a theater mm-hmm. full of you know people. Well, it wouldn't be full of people because not many <laughs> yeah. people are seeing it. But check it out on HBO. This is not my check it out, but but watch it on HBO Max. Yeah, it won't be your next obsession, but it certainly warrants you taking the time to really think about what you saw and think to yourself oh i was i was being led in one direction mm-hmm. and it went a completely different direction yeah. i like a twist like that me too so if you can from the comfort of your home 
watch Malignant. We recommend it. We do. Cool. So we are going to go straight into the check this out section. What do you have? I have, believe it or not, mm-hmm. not a TV show. What do you got? I have a podcast. All right. Parks and Recollection. So this is a new podcast that okay. started. I sent it to you via text. Well, um, I saw I saw um, Chris Traeger, Rob uh, yeah, Rob, Rob Lowe's uh-huh. his his podcast is called Literally, right? Yes. Yeah. This is different. This okay. is with Rob Lowe and one of the head writers or the head writer. I've forgotten his name. Of um, Greg Daniels. No, no. Anyway, but they're good friends and they are doing an episode by episode reflection mm-hmm. or recollection mm-hmm. on a classic comedy. Parks and Rec. Yeah. So it just started on Monday, so I think new episodes will be every Monday. Um, nice and tight, 30, 40 minutes, uh, and uh, just really fun. And, of course, the nice thing about this is that Rob Lowe was not in season one, so he's watching that, these episodes for the first time. That is a cool perspective. Yeah. Actually, you know, Parks and Rec is an all-timer for me. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have to dive into that. Uh, you got to check it out. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, and for me... Uh, I would just like to say that we are so sad to hear of the passing of legendary comedian Norm MacDonald, mm-hmm. um, who we Uncle Rusty, who we knew as Uncle Rusty on the middle. So my check it out this week is going to be very short. In fact, it's about forty seconds long. Uh, it's the I want what I want y'all to do is go into Google and type in the middle dash Rusty's house burned down. Mm-hmm. It's this small scene. That just showcases how subtle and just how dry Norm MacDonald's humor could be, even if he wasn't being, you know, crass or vulgar. Just how well he worked in that role and just encapsulates how much we love the middle already. But I think it's a great little clip just to sort of honor him, uh, especially since, you know, we learned of his passing just this week. Mm. So uh, go check that out. Better yet, just watch the entire series of the middle, all nine seasons on HBO Max. It is my very favorite comedy of all time. Great show. So once again, that is the middle. Rusty's house burned down. All right. Before we go, we have to comment that uh, things are a little different today. Things are a little bit different. It is your birthday. Oh, well, that's true, too. Uh, What else is different? We're recording in person. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's... We're two feet from each other. That is a very rare thing nowadays. So we're lucky to be able to do that. But uh, hopefully... It's good to see you, see. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see you face-to-face. It's a little bit more personal, Uh right? Cool. Let's hope our audio is as good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening once again. um, And we will see you next time. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Nailed it.